What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Take It 20. Just want to let you guys know real quick um, why I missed Friday's episode. There was a situation with my family that um, I, I needed to focus on and um, definitely took all of my attention away from this and focused it on that, which is definitely more important than getting another pod up. Um, for people who know me personally, you guys know what's going on. Um, I really do appreciate everybody who's reached out, not only to me, but the rest of the family to make sure that we're okay. Really, really do appreciate all the support that you guys have given us. It, it means a lot. Uh, but without further ado, um, into some more happier things. Um, so let's just dive right into the episode. Um, really want to start off with this whole Jokic and Morrison situation. My, I understand a lot of people are saying like Jokic did nothing wrong. Morris needs to be suspended, blah, blah, blah. My whole thing is, and I'm, I'm in the same vein as Eric Spolster right now. Is just like, that was a take foul. It, was a like yeah was there anything basketball about that play not really but our take fouls basketball plays in general no you know I felt like the foul that Draymond Green committed on John Morant was a little bit more aggressive than what Morris did to Jokic and in that situation like there, there was nothing. It was just like a mutual respect. He committed a hard foul. Jaw was falling, and he just like continued to hold on to him and just kind of manhandled him real quick and kept him on his feet. But in this situation with Morris, like it's not like his arm, like either of his arms went above the above the shoulder. He caught him with a forearm under the armpit. And it was just like kind of kind of like a truck. That was it. That that literally was it. And for Jokic to sprint at him in, in terms of what Jokic like that that was a sprint for Jokic. Maybe not a sprint for other people, but that was a sprint for Jokic for him to sprint at him hit him that hard from the back is extremely cowardice is just like I understand the whole retaliation like Shaq and Chuck on um NBA or NBA on TNT um they were talking about how both of them felt like Jokic did did nothing wrong well here's the thing neither one of those players would have attacked somebody from behind even if they had turned around after committing the hard foul they would have circled around that player and confronted them face to face rather than what Jokic did in really causing bodily harm you know I understand you're a big guy you're getting fouled you're not getting the foul calls that you want but in the same play down low you whacked Bam out of bio in the face. So it's there's there's so many factors going into this of just 
all right, at the end of the day, did Jokic handle it like a man? No, he did not. Did he handle it like a professional? No, he did not. So, like, I totally understand the retaliation aspect of it. We get heated. We get pissed. But you need to have the wherewithal to actually conduct yourself with some level of morale. Like, I'm using that term wrong right now. Or not morale, but certain level of morals. There we go. That to to just blatantly, like, really, like, go after somebody from the back is is the most cowardice thing that I've ever seen. It it honestly really is. You know, I put it up there with I can't remember exactly which player it was um that completely sucker punched this other player and like shattered his orbital bone. But I put it in that same category. It's cowardice. They don't see it coming. They don't know it's coming. They can't prepare themselves. And you just completely blindside them. No, Jokic is completely wrong for that. Morris, I totally understand getting the suspension that that is justified 100%. Um, Him getting a flagrant two, I feel, was a little bit extreme. But the fact that Jokic didn't get a suspension like just a just a fine and put it in perspective like this is the same type of fine that somebody got for throwing their headband into the stand so you see already like it's things are not treated the same way when it comes to certain players just the same way as Patrick Beverly doesn't get away with certain things that Chris Paul does nobody points out certain things like Chris Paul shoving Giannis on Kumpo at the waist while he's up in the air, not calling that a dirty play when in, in all reality it really is a dirty play and have Patrick Beverly be in that same situation, the whole league would be in an uproar. So it's it's really disgusting to see that still there's a lot of favoritism happening amongst in the NBA when it comes to discipline. Like that, Jokic doing that has just set a precedent of, yo, if somebody gives a take foul on a fast break, then you have all right to attack somebody from behind. Like, no, have if that was any other player who fouled somebody that hard and actually did cause an injury, that player would be suspended for, I don't know, like 10 games. It's, if it was any other player other than Jokic or Doncic, like, for some reason, Luka gets away with a whole lot that Trey Young is now getting in trouble for in terms of arguing, or really has always gotten in trouble for um, in certain situations in terms of arguing with the refs. So it's like the NBA needs to treat it the same across the board. I'm not saying that it's a race thing at all because it's the same thing with players like Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul, like I said before. LeBron James gets special treatment. There's just certain players that get special treatment in the league, and 
Jokic is one of them. The simple the simple fact is both players should have been suspended. Jokic probably should have been suspended for two to three games and fined while Morris getting the suspension. One game suspension. That's the way that I feel like things should have been handled. Now you have a president of saying like it's okay to attack somebody from behind. Period. That's what the NBA just laid out in this ruling. So for for me it's it's complete and utter bullshit. Especially with what the NBA um excuse my language, I'm sorry, but especially for what the NBA has allowed them allowed not only Jokic but his brothers to get away with at live games like we're talking about them trying to hop barricades and not being escorted out of the arena still being able to stay there for the the rest of the game so no like absolutely not if that was anybody else any other person like rondo and chris paul's like significant others, they were escorted out of the building when they got into a spat. So it's like, you know, treat it the same way. Keep the same energy. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Like, I I really don't get how everybody is like, oh, like, Jokic is justified. No, he's not. Absolutely not. For anybody who attacks somebody from behind, that is the most cowardice thing that you can absolutely do. Most cowardice thing. Like, no, no, that's soft. I'm sorry. That's that's really all my thoughts on that that topic. It does get me very heated because I do see the favoritism happening, and that's that's one thing that I really don't like. Not only in sports, but in general, is just like you keep the same energy across the board. Don't don't pick and choose when you're gonna rain hellfire and. When you're gonna be a nice person, just just keep it keep it even, like just stay even the whole way. Don't don't deviate from the path and say, "Well, well, this person makes us X amount of dollars, so we probably shouldn't suspend them." No, suspend them. Keep it keep the same energy. That's it. And now from one drama to another. This I wanted to also talk about the Kings and what's going over there. Marvin Bagley Jr. not being part of the the rotation. Like Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald, pretty much a whole lot of players on that team just need to go. They don't want to be there. It's clear they don't want to be there. They haven't wanted to be there for quite a while now. And the Kings seem to not want them there. So I I don't completely understand why they're keeping a hold of Marvin Bagley Jr. or Ma- Marvin Bagley the 3rd specifically because like I understand you guys picked him over Luka. So you kind of want to hold on and see what you can do or you're overvaluing him in in trade talks. But it's a situation where you can either trade him now and get something for him, same with Buddy Hield, or they walk in free agency for nothing. I mean, Kings are definitely in 100% rebuild mode. 
Marvin Bagley the third, I feel could be decent in another situation. Um, I don't think that he's good enough to be a starting power forward. If he were to somehow end up in like Minnesota, that would actually be very interesting to me to just have like Carl Anthony Towns and in that situation, Carl Anthony Towns, I feel can cover up enough defensively for Marvin Bagley's lack of, but having both of them in the starting lineup like that, that would be scary. That's something that I would really enjoy seeing, but you know, who's to say that the Kings will actually conduct a trade? I'm sure just the way this, this organization is run the front office, everything, it just, it's one of the worst run franchises that I've ever seen in the NBA. Like, it's it's very sad because growing up, like I was a Clipper fan first, but my next team because of Chris Webber was the Kings, and also my oldest oldest brother that was his favorite team. So I, I was like, that's I'm gonna like them too. But it they just don't know how to run the organization. It's just it's been horrible, and you also have Luke Walton who's, like, honest, in all honesty, has not done anything. I've been somebody, I've been an advocate of Luke Walton saying, like, yo, give him a chance, give him a chance. He's probably going to be a good coach. He's just going through his growing pains. I always felt like Luke Walton would be a good coach um, because generally bench players end up being really good coaches. But that just didn't, that just hasn't been the case with Luke Walton. Maybe he'll have to go to the G League, overseas, colleges. I don't think that he's good enough to coach college, but maybe going overseas or doing the G League, something of that nature, and just honing in his honing in on his skills a little bit more and then coming back to the NBA, I think that would be the best thing for him. Um, with that being said, like there's a couple of coaches that I think would be actually a really great fit for for this Kings organization, just in terms of who they are, how they are, and what they've done in their respective careers. So first, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for this guy, but Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson deserves to be in the NBA. Absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be on anybody's coaching staff unless he doesn't want to be an assistant and wants to go for that head coaching position which he's completely justified in because he deserves to be a head coach um though I've been pulling to really get him to the Clippers and be one of the assistants I think that I would be ecstatic I mean before we hired Tyrone Lue I was petitioning for Mark Jackson to be the head coach so my affinity for Mark Jackson and what he's been able to do with the Warriors and like preaching that defensive mindset, just he he creates championship teams. You know, Steve Kerr took them to that next level, but Mark Jackson really groomed them and prepared them and made them ready for that next step. Another person that I think would be a really good fit is Kenny Smith. Um I think that just because of his playing career, I don't really, un- 
I don't really know his coaching abilities, to be completely honest. But when it comes to his playing career, he's shown to make the right decisions at the right time. And he sees the game very, very well. Super smart guy. Um, And I think that he can tap into something with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton that some other coaches might not be able to tap into. And as I'm saying that, it's a good way to transition into the next um, candidate that I think would be a, a pretty good fit. Might not be the best as a head coach, but maybe somebody adding him onto the staff. But Vinny Del Negro. I know a lot of people don't like Vinny Del Negro, and that's completely justified. He's a, an acquired taste for sure. Um, but. I think that he's he does a really good job with point guards. Um, he had Derrick Rose. He also had Eric Bledsoe, Chris Paul. Like, he just, when, you know, honestly, I felt like he really did help in Eric Bledsoe's development, gave him a lot of freedom, encouraged him a whole lot to do what he does and attack the rim and be fearless. So I see a, it's not De'Aaron Fox isn't as athletic or Halliburton are as athletic as Bledsoe or Rose, but I can see Vinny Del Negro really grooming them and encouraging them and instilling confidence in them in the same way that he did with those previous players. So that's why I think Vinny Del Negro would be a good fit there. He's a, he's a really good coach when it comes to guards. Um, when it comes to big men, he just he doesn't really know what to do with him because that wasn't his position. He played point guard, shooting guard, and that's that's what he knows to how what he knows to coach. Um, so that's why I say probably not the best option as a head coach, but somebody that I feel would be really beneficial to adding to that staff, just because you have such a talented backcourt, you you need to capitalize on that and then lastly Jeff Van Gundy is somebody that I think would be absolutely outstanding for the Kings really outstanding for any young team because he's somebody he's already going to have the respect and everybody like at least when it comes to younger players they look at Jeff Van Gundy as like he's not not a god but just they can relate to him, even though he's not African American, he's not an ex player. He did play basketball, but he never played in the NBA. But it's like players look at him and respect him, you know, because he's he's real from the jump to the end. And you know, if he doesn't like something that you're doing, he's gonna let you know about it. In a certain kind of way that is definitely going to resonate resonate with you, whether it's getting you pissed off and then performing better or being like, all right, well, it's like he's talking to me like we're on the same level, you know? He's not talking above me. He's not talking down to me. We're talking at the same level. There's no ego there. There's no judgment. There's nothing. So, 
Jeff Van Gundy would be a really, really good fit for any young team. Kings are just in a position where they, they're going to need a new coach fairly soon. Um, and then moving on to somebody else who is in trouble of possibly losing their job, David Griffin. They're, the Pelicans are off to a 2-12 and start. I mean, he's getting into really heated arguments with Alvin Gentry. There were those comments that came out or got leaked out um, some time ago where it was quoted that David Griffin said that he's given all the answers to the test to Alvin Gentry and he doesn't understand why he isn't uh, doing what he's saying. You know, I I don't know the whole situation between Griffin and Gentry, but Gentry played. Gentry knows the game. Is just Griffin has put, honest, quite honestly, has put it together a team that. In the beginning, I was interested to see how it was going to work. Um, just the depth chart alone looked pretty interesting. I. Not going to lie, I was fairly intrigued, but it's clear that they miss Lonzo's defense. Brandon Ingram just doesn't really look that engaged, to be completely honest. Zion Williamson is still not set foot on the court due to his injuries, and there's more reports coming out saying that he's weeks away from doing anything like in terms of like being even being uh sorry tongue tied but even being able to practice he's he's weeks away from that so and this is not we're not talking contact we're not talking like running full five on five this is just him getting onto the court and being able to practice so for him to be that far out, this team, the way that it is, I, I completely understand why Griffin is on the hot seat. Rightfully so, as well. Because since being with the Pelicans, he hasn't really done too much. You know, they could have traded Lonzo. They didn't trade Lonzo. They got a somewhat okay package for him in that sign and trade but there definitely was something else out there that was more lucrative for them I'm sure unless they the Pelicans and David Griffin wanted to go in a direction and be good to Lonzo and let him go where he wanted to go and just didn't get the kind of offer that they wanted from Chicago during the season but I don't think that David Griffin nor the Pelicans would be that nice to Lonzo and trying to get him where he wants to be. I, I just don't see it. So David Griffin basically let him go for pennies on the dollar. And also that that whole Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas trade, you see it's not necessarily working out the best. Um you're hoping that he would be a veteran presence, help you guys and win some games, even with Zion out, and that that clearly isn't the case. It's two and twelve. So 
who do you replace Griffin with? I I really don't know. There's when it comes to GMs, like there's not a good track record for a lot of them. Like look at Neil O'Shea. Like he's in a hot situation right now. Like when after he was so good with the Clippers, like he's just kind of not kind of, but he's completely fallen off in terms of being able to bring in talent. So it's Neil O'Shea is another person. I know he has the whole allegations coming out against him. This is the only thing that I'm going to say about it. We shouldn't be surprised that somebody who worked under Donald Sterling for so long implores bullying. I'm I'm not surprised at it. To be completely honest, I'm very I'm not surprised about it at all. Uh, do I think that he's guilty of it? More likely than not, yeah. But you know, it it is what it is. But getting back on onto Griffin, um, he he's gonna lose his job. There's no way for him to keep his job because the Pelicans aren't going to be turning around anytime soon. Their schedule is one of the toughest schedules in the entire NBA for whatever reason outside of the Clippers in terms of the caliber of opponents that they have to face early on, especially with them losing Zion. It's been a huge hit to them. So should Griffin be fired? Yeah, he should because he's the one who built this team. With or with, without Zion, they shouldn't have been this bad. If he had done his job correctly, that is, which he did not. So he should definitely be looked at and say, like, hey, pulled in for a, a yearly evaluation or whatever, whatever you want to do. And say, like, you promised X, Y, and Z. You did not. You got us X, but Y and Z are years away. So it's it's definitely something that the Pelicans' ownership is going to have to look at moving forward, and they should address it sooner than later because if things continue to go this way, it's going to be a whole lot of infighting the work environment will end up getting very, very toxic. So just nip it in the bud now, fire him, bring in somebody new, or promote somebody from within. Do whatever you need to do, but David Griffin needs needs to go. He hasn't done his job. Now, moving on to another player, or another subject, but this time a player who's not doing his job, but 100% can in John Wall. Um, you know, him and the Rockets had mutually agreed that he would be sitting out for the season while they look for uh, a trade partner for him, and, or a trade destination, rather. And, you know, those those talks have gone unsuccessfully. It's, it's very unfortunate that a player of John Wall's caliber cannot be traded. I understand that contract is kind of scary, especially with his injury history. But like a lot of people forget what a healthy John Wall looked like. Like he was one of the best defensive guards out there and 
he was dropping like 28 on you. Dude, dude's a monster. He can facilitate the ball. He's he's everything that you want in a point guard. It's just that injuries have kept him off the floor for so long that people forget. And even with the year that he had last year, people still forget because who was really focused on the Rockets outside of the whole James Harden drama? Nobody. So it's very unfortunate that John Wall's in this position. I'm sure that, I mean, he's, he's going to more than likely have to end up agreeing to a buyout possibly this summer. The only team that I really see pursuing him in a trade would be the Clippers. There's no other team that actually makes sense to go after him. But with that being said, it's just too many players that the team would have to get rid of to bring on John Wall. So it's it's definitely, it would be a great move for the Clippers to add a John Wall. But the way that things are shaking out at the moment, it it just isn't really possible to be, to be honest. It isn't. Um, unless he gets bought out fairly soon, he's going to stay a Houston rocket for the foreseeable future, probably until the summer where he's going to have to negotiate a buyout because the rockets are not going to allow him to sit out for another year while they look for a trade partner and continue to pay him. So that. It sucks, but hopefully John Wall is going to be able to recoup a good amount of the money that he's going to have to give up in, in a, any buyout situation that he, he gets into. He's definitely going to have to leave more money on the table than Blake Griffin did. And, you know, depending on what market he ends up in, John Wall is a very marketable person. So depending on what market he gets into, he can definitely recoup those funds in endorsement deals, but it's it's a long down a long ways down the road to this whole situation actually finding a uh, solution, I guess. And then lastly, I want to end the pod by saying Isaiah Thomas should be on any roster, any team, there's no reason why Isaiah Thomas should be out of the league. No reason. Absolutely no reason. I'm still pissed that the Warriors had him on for damn near the entire summer and then want to cut him, bring in Avery Bradley, cut him. And it's just like, well, why didn't you just keep IT if you were going to cut Avery Bradley as well? So it is what it is. Unfortunately, the he felt like it was a done deal with the Lakers. They didn't do it. And they can definitely use Isaiah Thomas right now. So there's so many teams out there that can use Isaiah Thomas. It's just he needs to be on a roster. He deserves to be on a roster. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. Boston. It, I would love to see him back in Boston. But, you know, 
it's neither here nor there. That's up to the GMs and the the lovely job that they they tend to do, as you see. So that that is it. That's a wrap. That's all I had to talk about. Um, next pod, uh, I'll probably try and dip in to do my own power rankings and uh, give you guys that. But we'll we'll also play around with it and see what else I can come up with. But yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. As always, I really, really do appreciate all the feedback, all the support, people reaching out and asking like, yo, what what every single time I miss a pod, people are reaching out and asking what is going on. This time, more than ever, it really did mean a lot. So I really appreciate all of you guys. Um, I know there's a couple of people that I need to still reach out to and let know what's going on. So I'll make sure to contact you guys soon. And for everybody who's sharing the pod, liking the pod, like just listening to it yourself, like I really do appreciate it. It's this, this keeps me sane. (laughs) It is a lot of fun to do. So thank you guys for allowing me to do what I love. And with that, I'm going to close it out. Everybody have a safe week. Should be a fun one. If you're in LA, it's going to be hot all week. So, no, hit up the beaches early. And, you know what? We'll see you guys in the next episode on Friday. Peace.